everybody, it's Rob, National Fire Radio with Jeremy. We have a special guest tonight in the uh, in the studio with us. It's Stephen Kalman from the uh, Hackensack Fire Department in Hackensack, New Jersey. Deputy Chief. That's of how many Deputy years, Chief? Chief? Well, total on the job, 30. 30 years on the job. Mm-hmm. Absolute senior man on the job. And, well, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple couple guys with a little bit more seniority, but yeah. did, well, did, I think thirty years qualifying. Um, but we're, I'm in the top <laughs> I'm in the top few. Let's yeah, put it that way. I bet. <laughs> so, but uh, tonight we just we're very, very thankful to have you here. Um, and uh, you know, I know I've been a fan of some of your work, and and I've seen you up at the fire academy. You're also an instructor on top of being a, a chief down in Hackensack. Uh, and so on. Can you just give us a little background on Hackensack? Maybe just the size of the department? And Yes, the size of the department. We have about 100 guys on a job, and that, that number has varied, give or take, a little bit over the years, but the city basically maintains 99 or 100 guys. Okay. Uh, our staffing can vary anywhere between eight, 18 and 23 members on duty at a time, uh, meaning it never drops below 18. There's, there's four engines, a truck, a rescue, and a chief. Staffed at all times, gotcha. and we also have a very good uh, callback recall system where we could put uh, companies in service uh, with callback firefighters. Nice, nice. And about how many annual runs? Uh, well, right now the department is did over last year over seven thousand runs, but okay. the, the number with that has has changed and over the years because of the department provides a first responder EMS right. service gotcha. and. Uh, those numbers keep increasing oh, every sure. year, and um, so that kind of disfigures the, the run numbers because you'd have to really separate it, the actual fire responses from that, and that's that's not easy to do. No, right, I get it, I get it. Where the first year I came on a job, I can remember in 1988, there was just under 2,500 runs, but they were all fire runs. There was no such thing as an EMS run right. at that time. Right, <laughs> that's wild. I'm sure. I'm sure you saw some good fires throughout the year, which kind of segues into why we're here and what we like to talk about. And yeah. uh, so remembering your first. So, what, what, and in in Hackensack, what was the first fire that you had when you were online? The first fire, and and that's a, I'm having a tough time remembering that actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because towards the end of, uh, um, I came on the fire department in August 18, 1988 with six other members. Mm-hmm. With I'm sorry, five other members. And uh, we came on in the shadows of the Ford fire. But after that, there were quite a number of working fires and serious fires in Hackensack in the rest of 1988. Uh, I I know we had several house jobs um, on my tour, but uh, for the remainder of 88. But we also had a a bad fire in a multiple dwelling in early December where... uh, uh, it was like 8.30 in the morning. It was a freezing cold day. It was a wind-driven fire. Occupant mm-hmm. left the door open. The apartment was fully involved. And uh, that was a very, very challenging fire. And then two, day, two days after that, there was, there was actually a daytime house fire that I got called back on where uh, uh, two kids died in a back bedroom of a house with bars on the windows. And that was a very emotional and trying sure. fire. Because somebody was cleaning uh, auto parts with gasoline in the kitchen, and to get to that room, you had to go through the kitchen. And one of our fire inspectors, who was uh, uh, who was at one time a full duty, very well respected firefighter um, in in the seventies, and Vietnam vet type of guy, and uh, uh, he was trying to he discovered the fire, 
and was trying to pull the bars off the window as the kids were clawing at the windows and wow. he couldn't get them off and the guys pushed in there as fast as they could and it was just it was just heart-wrenching and too late but there were quite a number of serious fires in uh, in Hackensack um, in the latter the second half of 1988 yeah. um, I, I can remember one that I was working on on Spring Valley Avenue in a nice section we had just finished a building construction class in, uh, in 1988. That's good. Yeah, well, that was uh, that was part of the, the changing culture. Yeah. And uh, we had just finished the class, and the, uh, the guys were going to get something to eat, and the call for a fire came in. It was a, a house on Spring Valley Avenue. It was out seven windows, and there was a, a guy that one of the guys on duty had a had a mild heart attack there, and never returned to the line. Mm. And, um, and, and and there were others, uh, sure. quite a number of. I can't even remember them sure. all, but. Uh, those are the ones I do remember in 1988. 88. Now, I'm just looking real quick at your bio. I'm sorry. That's no, something you're going to jump in. But, um, you know, just for everybody watching, we, we absolutely ask our guests to share their bios with us so we sure. have, you know, information about you. And I know you were a volunteer before you were in Hackensack. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember your first yes. fire as a volunteer? Yes, I sure. 18-year-old kid probably? Yes, 18-year-old yeah. kid. I, you're right. I was yeah. 18. And I went on to volunteer fire department of Pagoda right. on engine number one when I was 18. <laughs> oh, cool. And the day I was 18. And the day after we started, the, I started my Firefighter 1 yeah. program. All, all good memories. Um, and But I, I do remember. And again, in those days, the volunteer fire service was different. I remember going to a few fires, but we didn't do anything because we weren't first due. Okay. And Bogota with three engine companies and having a uh, small town, unless it was a real serious fire, there were one or two room fires that if you were on the third engine, you just stood there. And yeah. then 20 minutes later, they sent you back you to the home. firehouse and you were going home. <laughs> but I do remember mine. It was on Good Friday, 1985. And um, it was on River Road off of Main Street yeah. in Bogota. It was sure. a three and a half story duplex and the fire was in the attic. And I was on... We were first due, and my dad was driving the engine. Okay. So we did what we had to do, and sure. uh, um, I got some nozzle time in, and uh, it was a very tough fire. And again, I, I, I could also remember it and how it's changed that uh, I think of that fire in today's times and how much mutual aid would have been there. And I do remember the only mutual aid that was called was an additional truck from Richfield Park. No kidding. Yes, and, you know, there probably were 60 guys there from Bogota. That's wild. Yeah, and that's how the culture and that's how the volunteer service has changed. Wow, and it, it was literally on the Hackensack border also. Yeah, so you're and, talking hip boots, long coats. Yeah, correct. And carrying gear on the rig still too, right? I remember as a kid... Yes. They, seeing the boots upside well, down I, on like the hard suction. Correct. And, when I came yeah. on, and uh, um, from what I can remember, we lived fa fairly close to the firehouse, and yeah. uh, I had my gear not on top on the rig. Right. And uh, that's that's the way it was. Right. And the guys that lived further away kept yeah. the gear on the rig. Yeah, it's, they it, went right most there. of the guys kept it on the rig, but <laughs> yeah. I didn't. And, right. uh, you were quick uh, enough to yes. get there. Yes. And um, that, that's, again, something that's changed. It was hip boots, yeah. um, you know, a, lo a long coat. I yeah. still had a non-OSHA approved leather helmet, right. and uh, and and that was it. And a Scott too. Yeah, how cool. Mm -hmm. how and cool. Uh, the fires wild. went out. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. Mm -hmm. They sure yeah. did. Now I know you know just through talking with you and so on, and we, you talked about your father wheeling the engine, and mm -hmm. you know you uh, eighteen year old kid riding with your father. And myself, I'm a legacy also. Sure. Right? My family in the fire business and so on, and 
and uh, what am I? I'm second generation, um, and so on. But uh, I know how important it is to me, and I'm sure it's very important to you, uh, your family, and so on. You want to touch on, you know, just the legacy that your family has laid before you, and what you've sure, you know, and so sure, on. absolutely. Um, my dad was a was a volunteer fireman. Um, he came out of the army in Korea from Korea in 1957, and they had a spot waiting for him on engine number one in cool. Bogota. That's where he grew up, right. and uh, uh, he was born in Hackensack, and he that was in 1957. And uh, strangely enough, the first major fire he went to was in Hackensack in 1958. Hmm. Um, there was uh, the Comfort Coal Fire in Hackensack. It burned a city block. Wow. And uh, it, w it was an arson fire set by some kids on the 5th of July, 1958. And it was one of the, if not the biggest fire ever in Hackensack. They burned a square city block okay. between Anderson and Passaic from the railroad tracks to Linden Street and then caught houses on fire on the other side of Linden Street. And uh, uh, Bogota sent two engines to the fire. And, uh, you know, he was at that fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, cool. And uh, so he was, you know, my dad all in, in he had been in and out for residency reasons a couple uh, times. Um, but uh, in the end, he did about 30, 35, 37 years on the Bogota Fire Department. He was awesome. chief down there in 1977. Nice. Again, times were different. And, sure, uh, I was no, born in 77. A lot, lot of history. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, they yeah. told them uh, it was funny if they had a, one thing I can remember. Um, if they used air cylinders, they only used them when they had to use them because they didn't have a fill system. They had to call in a vendor to fill the it, systems huh? after a fire, to fill the, the cylinders right, after right, a fire. Right. Yeah. And you know, if they had a few cylinders, they could take them up to Teaneck and, and they would fill them for them. But if they had a lot of cylinders, they had to call a vendor and they had no way to fill them. And that was as late as 1977. So, okay. yeah. so And then... Um, my grandfather on my mother's side uh, was a fireman who went on to be uh, chief of department in the Hackensack Fire Department. Cool. Um, he uh, went on to Hackensack Fire Department in 1941, uh, was, um, went into, uh, he volunteered for the draft in 1942 and uh, served as an in infantryman in World War II in Europe, in the Army. Wow. And he came back. Um, obviously to his job and uh, um, moved up the ladder and uh, became chief of department in 1964. Wow. And then he died in 1971. Uh, he was 53, 54 years old. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, he got ill and, and passed away oh, before sweet. he could retire. Oh, is that okay? Yes. You had to be 55 at those times to retire. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and then, so, and then your father... Yourself, your son. Correct. My brother first, yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll just speak. My yeah, brother, uh, my my younger brother, uh, Kenneth is, um, or known as Louis, is uh, also a deputy chief in the Hackensack Fire Department. That's pretty wild. And uh, he, he's too. the he's the tour four deputy. I'm the tour three deputy. Yeah. And uh, um, he's also he's got he's just closing in on 29 years on the Hackensack Fire Department, and he's. Uh, I want to say he's over a 30-year member of the Bogota Fire Department still yeah. and uh, was a two-time chief of the department there. Wow. And, then, awesome. and then my son, Chris, my oldest son, Christopher, a former Marine, uh, actually, and current Marine reservist, um, 
is works for the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania yeah. Bureau of Fire, mm -hmm. and he's actually there tonight on the squad. Nice. And and how long has he been out in Harrisburg? Uh, over a little over about a year and a half. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So he's fairly new yes, fairly new to the mm -hmm. job out there. Mm -hmm. Wow, good for him. You must be one proud papa. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's very cool. Absolutely, and to continue the family tradition, yeah. and in a in a well respected department, that's that's very good. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So that's my family history. No, that's great. So going into uh, into your career for a little bit, like you, you know, you had your first couple of years on with some of the fires that you were talking about before. You eventually you promote up to lieutenant. Yes, I made lieutenant in uh, in 1993. The lieutenant's list I was on came out. I was assigned as the first acting lieutenant on tour two, and uh, then in 1995 I was actually promoted to lieutenant. And we'll, like, kind of like I mean, we, we talk about culture and everything, but like at that time, like, what was what were some of the thoughts going through your head as you switched over from firefighter to lieutenant and being in charge? Like, what were the challenges and the things? The challenges you... were there still were a lot of. I was not a, a senior man by any means. Mm -hmm. I had seven years on a job when I uh, when I got promoted, and uh, and just seven years on a job. And when I was an acting officer, which carried the same responsibility, I had less than five. Yeah. So okay. um, wow. Um, the challenges were dealing with the senior guys, not in a bad way, but um, you know they're looking at you like, there's this young kid and yeah. I've been here 20, 25 years and I'm old and grumpy and, and this is the way I'm doing things and you know, you gotta, you gotta earn their trust. Sure, yeah. You gotta sure. earn their trust. Everybody's gonna know what they need to do when the, when the bell rings and that pretty much is always the case. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's about earning their trust and, so you, and treating them right. So you were seven years on when you became a your boss for the first time, right? Well, yeah, I had less than five years on when I was an acting signed as an acting, acting where, I, where right. basically you were a part time lieutenant. Okay, and you got compensated for it for the tour, but wherever come and you sure. bounced around to the, you filled the vacancies of the lieutenants on that tour that yeah. you were assigned. I, I find that really interesting because it, there's like a correlation to today, and we've hit on this through yeah. other shows we've had and so on. Is that it seems like today, more than ever, we're promoting guys quicker and quicker uh, because of the mass exodus that guys are leaving. We alluded to this yes, before and, and so on. And so guys are leaving the job, whether uh, not forced out, but uh, monetized out or for the reasons that they just, they, you know, they, they want to go 20, 25 years um, and so on. So it seems like we're, we're promoting uh, in not just career, but volunteer departments Absolutely. too, we're pushing guys up the mm -hmm. line. Um, quicker and Rob's talked about this a lot I'm sure he'd like to go on with it but talking about like the junior senior man and I just find it pretty interesting that back what what year was that that was 80 uh, what 96 96 I got promoted 95 I got 95, promoted 95 you got promoted so yeah. I mean that's yeah because we have a we have a guy in Fairview right now I think it's, he, we figured it out the other day he's eight years on he just got promoted to lieutenant this past year so it's like you know this this uh, changeover, and he even says himself sometimes, he's like, man, like, not, it's not a, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's just like, like, he, he definitely has it on his shoulders of, I'm still new at this, and I'm mm -hmm. still learning this, and now I'm, now I'm doing this, so, it's a, uh, it's, it's crazy, you know, and just, and then, but to hear that back it, it's in 94, common. 95, it's common. You're, you're yeah, yeah that thing. wasn't as common then, right, um, it was just a, you know, when you're taking these tests, you gotta you gotta study, absolutely, and you also have some luck that plays in, also. Oh, it's timing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's timing. Studying. It's, it's Saturday. Correct. 
it's, it's not it's not it's not one thing all along you yeah. have to combine several things yeah and a lot of times it, it just comes down to the timing mm -hmm. right i mean if, timing. You, if you study well and you test well if the test comes out and there's and the guys who are leaving a job you inherently yes. might be able to be one or two on the list correct I mean, it, some lists move right. faster than that's others right. and uh yeah. you know and yeah. that's the that's you, the reality do you have any um thoughts or, or suggestions maybe to guys that might be going through this now you know some learning curve stuff that like you were you know it took time you mentioned before it took time to uh, maybe informally get on the same playing field as the 25-year guys mm -hmm. or so on. I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything you could speak to about that or if it's just put your nose down, work hard, and, you know, and, and learn the job. I mean, but... Uh, yeah, my advice would be to try to educate yourself, yeah. okay, as much as possible. The difference to the fire service that I talk about all the time from 30, 20, 15 years ago that keeps changing and changing is... The job is no longer, whether it be paid or volunteer, is no longer experience-based. It's training-based. Mm -hmm. To educate you as much as you can, you have to put some personal input in other than what the department is, is, is giving you, either paid or volunteer. It's really well said. Yeah. I don't think I've heard it that way before. No, and because and, honestly, that's like one of the things where, you know, you hear complaints and I think the, the kids get a bad rap with the, because I think millennials kind of a, wide brush I guess paint it off them but some of them have to understand that like this isn't just a job it's it's a, it goes back to that lifestyle and you can't on your days off like just hey I'm going to turn this off right now and I'm no longer a, a firefighter you got to be doing something just to keep yourself you gotta on be, you got to you got to you have to do so you have some self responsibility and mm -hmm. and I say this to my son all the time you know as an example you have you have some self responsibility to learn the job and to try to, you know, take a class, okay, and, and just do something, read a book, okay, yeah. it's, um, it's, the job is not experience-based anymore, both when I came out as a volunteer and as a paid firefighter, um, the job was, was experience-based, it was, yeah, here I, it was, I, you did some basic drills, yep. and uh, you didn't have the networking that goes on in the fire service today, between, with social media, mm -hmm. um, some good, some bad. Um, YouTube, um, again, some good, some bad. Um, your your trade conferences. I remember, you know, I remember going early on to the firehouse expos in Baltimore. I went down there religiously for a yep. number of years with a bunch of yep. friends of mine, yep. and uh, they were great shows. Sure. And that was the beginning of the networking because the in, the the internet wasn't there. Right. Yeah. The internet wasn't there, and you know, people, you know. Legacy people in the fire service nowadays, such as it says Dunn, Salka, Norman, were coming out with their information, yeah. okay, based on experience and putting it out there in textbooks and magazine articles, yeah. and you know, getting the message out as to what to do, what what to look for. Now you had to take that and apply it. I love it. I mean, I'm sitting yeah. here it's just grinning ear to ear because I experience driven first training driven, right? Like I just. I think the chief. That's a fantastic way. And, to and sum one way, it up. one I way really to sum do. it up you know, from the academy, the, the, yeah. the county academy perspective. I took firefighter one. I mentioned to you, I started the day after I got on the fire department right. in in Bogota. What happened was normally that process takes longer, but uh, Bogota had enrolled a guy that had only been on for several months and washed out for whatever reason. Right. They had an open spot. They called the academy. Can we fill so and so with Steve? 
And, uh, yeah. you know, day two on the fire department, I was in the fire department, one program, which was 16 lessons yeah, at it. that time. How many is it now, Chief? Uh, it's it's over 50 for firefighter one. <laughs> yeah, I think back in New York, I had essential firefighting was what it was called. And, but it was like, you talk about that experience versus training. It was, hey, this is hose. This is how it connects. We're going to go do that. Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to say it was knuckle dragging, but it was, you know, there was like now I go to like, getting hired in the, in the fire department going through a, an academy class. There was more, like I was actually, it was my first wake up call that this was serious as I almost failed my first exam. And I realized this isn't just going to be something that you sit through. Like you're going to have to, you know, yeah, pick yourself up and start studying. And it was, uh, it was something stupid. It was um, if, if Freon burns, it creates phosgene gas, which is its uh, ideal H atmosphere is how many parts per million, and it was two to four. And that's the question that I got wrong, and I said, and I just asked him like, I stared at the test. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. Uh, what? Do you really need to know yeah. that at the first level? Probably not. But I won't ever forget it because I. Okay, that sure. was one of my. That was one of the questions and I, I and got a wrong. Positive note for my academy experiences yeah. then yeah. was uh, um, the, the live burn that you had li that that. In, in speaking from the Bergen County perspective, that two and a half story building that you'd put the roof ladder up on the roof of, that was right. the burn building. Right. And, you know, they had legitimate fires sure. that they could set in there and, sure. and you could you could learn start to learn. And that, right. and from a good perspective. And, and you remember, you know, them teaching what to do if you ran out of air. You disconnected yeah. the uh, the elephant trunk That's and you right. tucked it in your coat. Nowadays, I could imagine trying to do yeah, something right. like that. Yeah. You'd be in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. It's a, it's a different world. I mean, and I I just I'm sorry, Rob. No, no, we we did. I, I did before Firehouse Baltimore started to like kind of fall off the wagon a little bit. Uh, I went down there for hot classes when I volunteered. Uh -huh. and I just remember I was like, man, these guys are are like really pushing us, and this is like. You know, that, that's that moment where you're like, is this training or is this real? And then like afterwards, you're like, yeah, that got a little away from us. That's why we went upstairs. And I was like, oh, wow. And like, hey, but you got it. Like, you guys did great. Like, it's this is good training. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, sitting Whoa. here taking this all down. And I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking to myself, we, we uh, had a fantastic interview with Terry Ehlers, who is the uh, chief of department in Newburgh, city of Newburgh. Mm -hmm. I, I saw most of that. Right. And, and so he hit on... A lot of what you're saying, you know, we talked about his days as the as the more junior guy and rolling into where he is today in his mm -hmm. position. And just talking about it, he always talked about the ability to get the on-the-job experience. And um, whether career volunteer, you know, and even in, even for some career staff, um, you know, not every career department's busy. Not every career department's burning. And even the career departments that see a lot of fire aren't burning like they used to. It's, nope. just, it's just not the same job anymore. And I think... You know, for you to point that out and, and the training based and then take it one step further where you said it's the responsibility of the firefighter to pursue additional training, right? So you get the on-the-job training and the academy is now 50 classes, not 17, but the actual snotty, hands-on, dirty face, thrown up in the corner, eating too much smoke, like that's not going to be trained or taught. You have to go learn that. And, and the experience is one thing, but... That comes with really good hands-on experiences. So getting to FDIC, getting to Firehouse, and getting to those areas where they can do open burn and free burning, where you can get a line and push a line in and put, maybe push yourself, like you said, yeah. push yourself a little further than what they might allow you to do. That's Those are the training opportunities that you now have to go seek out. And there's a lot of great networks out there that offer 
and and they're Solid quite trip. and they're quite expensive. You know, just yeah. just uh, you know coming back from mm -hmm. FDIC and not right. being involved in You're a number right. of years and and taking some of that in from a you know while not on the hands on part of it perspective right. of it, but it, the the cost of this is, is is getting out of hand. You're right. And where where people may have been able to fund it themselves quite a number of years ago, now it's almost just impossible. Cannot. What do you think drives that? Because I've always been kind of. You know, like I remember Firehouse Baltimore when I went down, it was, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Uh, and I think it was like 150 or $200, something like that. For the hands-on. For the hands-on. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And I went down and it was like, you know, now, like I went out to Nashville. On top of getting out to Nashville, because apparently in the New York City area, you can't get a plane that goes to Nashville. you got to connect it somewhere, at least in my little orbits matrix. But... It, well, I'll, I'll give, I'm going to give a plug. To, I'm going to yeah. give. I'm going to give a plug to a, a department and a and a training seminar that's that's really yeah, on, yeah, on the upside. Absolutely. If anybody, uh, if if you ever get a chance, please look into the Art of Firemanship Conference from Harrisburg. Yeah, yes. It's very Absolutely. it's very reasonable, mm -hmm. and it is just as professional as FDIC, mm -hmm. and they get some great instructors in there. It's the department is subsidizes it and then uses the funding from it for their training budget. I'm told, and uh, they do a great job with it. They've sold it out the last three years, especially on the hot side. And uh, uh, you know, Pennsylvania allows you to do a little bit more than New Jersey, and that they they have that academy that's right on the northern tip of Harrisburg, which is right if you go down 81, right. you, can see you it, actually yeah. see it and yeah. pass it. Mm -hmm. That that's where it is. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, it, it, thank you for. And it's not a plot; it's it's legit. I mean, it, it's truth, right? You, we need to find ourselves places where we can get ourselves trained, get our people trained, uh, and so on at a reasonable cost. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And you know, we we hit people all over the globe. So um, Harrisburg is a little fire factory. I mean, it's a small city, correct? Right? You, you hit on your sons uh, on the job now for over a year, year and a half. Uh, and so on. It's but they see it's a um, understaffed. In my, I mean, this is my thinking, right? Understaffed, overworked. They see a lot of fire uh, and so on. But there are a tremendous amount of stand-up brothers that come out of that city. Absolutely. Um, that know the job. They know the job well, and they're they're stand-up brothers. And they have high, very high expectations yes. of their members. Right. And uh, um, that was something I was very impressed with. You know, when my son was in the hiring process there and finding out, you know. You know more about the job. Uh, very high standards for their yeah. members and, and how they need to perform. And I, I think just I just wrote it down here. Double underline the art of firemanship, right? If you like break down that title, it's not firefighter training. It's not that. It's the art of firemanship, yeah. right? A carpenter I mean, always says their work is art. Right. When you look at what they build, right. craftsmanship, right? We've yeah. used the word craftsmanship, and so not only is the art of firemanship. Pushing a line in and knowing how far you can and cannot go, but it's also learning this. It's learning the brotherhood. It's learning the culture. It's learning what fuels us. It's it's, it's why you're here tonight to share your story with us. You know, um, and and I just kind of wanted to segue maybe into that a little bit more. Um, I know for you, the fire service is a passion, right? So, Absolutely. Um, for people that don't know, you've uh, done lecture series at FDIC. 
that was the initial high-rise fire operations for departments with limited staffing, right? Correct. This year. Did a little homework. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, how did that go for you? How, how it went very good. I, I, I was very happy with... Um, um, with my presentation, I had some great video, cool. um, which I was able to obtain from a, a very serious high-rise fire in Hackensack about okay. 10 plus years ago, and uh, which I believe the department did an excellent job at and was able to apply their procedures. And, yeah. and, and this, and, and where, and I was part of it, but on the high-rise end of things, my, my, myself and several other, other members of the department, it started in 1999 where guys went out to FDIC from Hackensack, took the high-rise classes with, with guys like Jerry Tracy and mm -hmm. Dave McGrail from Fire Engineering and brought that information back to Hackensack. Right. And, you know, it's huge. Yeah, and it, and it, and it, took, it took a number of years to work out a good procedure sure. and, 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 and train using a, using a, a two-and-a-half-inch line, for example, and, uh, and um, fine-tune our truck operations and... and put a, a solid procedure in place. And, and that's that's what I based it on because I know it works. Yeah. Both from a hands-on perspective as a, as a company officer and as a chief officer. If yeah. everybody does what they're supposed to do, we will put the fire out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, without a doubt. And how did you, the, the class itself, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was, uh, you know, well done and so on. And just the, the crowd you had were, what... Were they into it? Were they there? Because, you know, I'm thinking conferences like that, you're paying a lot of money to yeah. go. Are they into it? Do they want to be there? I think so. I right? would say. I would have to say. I mean, you, you got good choices of the classes. And uh, I was actually in the last round of classes on on Friday of the of the last round of the right. of the classroom classes. Mm -hmm. And I had some competition. There were some FDNY guys sure. giving uh, classes at the time. Right. And, uh, um, you know, which is all good. But uh, you know, the good choice like this, the classes are overabundant out there. I had about fifty-five. I figure I'd have about fifty-five attendees. Which, okay. You know, for a guy from a small city, is, sure. is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it's a niche niche topic. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not a broad overview topic. It's a very niche. Most departments don't have high rises. Well, you're right, and you mean look right. from Bergen County's perspective. Yeah. But I know one, a couple of guys I spoke to, and the one rings ring rings a bell. He was from White Plains, New York, mm -hmm. and they, their staffing's actually a little bit better than ours, just a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to him, and yeah, and, uh, yeah. Um, you know, so th that's one guy I know that was in the class, and uh, you know, several people came up to me at the end. But it's it's you know, they're rushing you in, they're rushing yeah. you out. You don't get a lot of time to yeah. talk. So. And now, is this your first year presenting, or are you? No, I did a class uh, actually uh, a couple of years ago. I did at the 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 first year firehouse was in Nashville. I went. I submitted. Uh, what happened was um, the Bergen County fire chiefs tried to do uh, um, tried to do a seminar. In, in memory of Harvey Eisner right. a couple few years back at the academy. And the, uh, the turnout was kind of disappointing. But I was asked to put together a program. I did an engine company operations program, which also I was, nice. I was pretty happy mm -hmm. um, on how it came out. I submitted it for the Firehouse Expo in Nashville. It got approved. And, right. and I, you know, from same thing, you know, I, had, I, I assume, you know, 50, 55 people um, in it. But that, that's my passion. Yeah, right. And getting into that, right? So I guess where I was going with this too was one I wanted to absolutely highlight your, you know, your experience and, and the classes that you offer, um, but also just the, I think the whole other end of uh, Firehouse and FDIC is the brotherhood, the sisterhood, mm -hmm. if you will, 
and the, the culture that drives that. And, um, you know, Rob and I are very passionate about that. And, um, you know, I just, I, I think it's like uh, any life experience, you know, you have your textbook and then you have your hands on. And I think, you know, it's just, I try to instill that into my guys all the time that, you know, it's, yeah, training is absolute, you know, a must and, and you got to push yourself and, and uh, assume responsibility for making yourself better. You know, the department can only do so much. You got to do so much more. Um, but it's also learning this. It's learning how to talk to a deputy chief mm -hmm. for 30 years on the job and understand that, you know, we have so many similarities well, I don't. I don't think I, that doesn't make me better than anybody else. No, you know, I'm no, still a, I'm still a person, absolutely. and uh, you know, and that's how I view myself. Right, right. You know? And share in sharing your stories and understanding that you know everybody has a story, and uh, and I think so much can be learned by people just listening. You know, sit back and listen, or or engage, mm -hmm. and uh, and so on. So I I just uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So yeah. But uh, okay, Ron. What's that like for Hackensack itself? Because I don't know, like. And I, you know, half, I don't want to say like false my own. Like I know the the Ford dealership fire and everything that happened there, but like the department itself, I don't know much about Hackensack's uh, culture and like how they run. Like what what is the culture like in the department um, for yourself? Like you know, right now, yeah. Well, you know, I have the the guys on my shift that are under me, mm -hmm. and you know, there's this this one, two, three, four, six company or uh, one, two. Three, six company officers that work and about uh, um, 16 firemen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as far as our culture, you know, you have your ranking of seniority from the junior men to the senior men. We're lacking in senior guys on a job. When yeah. I came on the job, the, the old gray-haired guy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, gruff gray-haired guy with the cigar was, uh, was, was much more common. That's not, that's not there anymore. Yeah. Okay. There's one really senior firefighter uh, on the on our job. He's not on my shift. Right. Um, other than that, there's a gap in, in seniority. What's the What's the gap around? It, it's It's more than seven years, seven eight years. Okay. And uh, you know our senior firefighters now have twenty twenty two years on a job. You know, versus the twenty five to thirty, where this this other senior firefighter, and I'll mention his name, Johnny Davis, yeah, thir thirty three years on the mm -hmm. job, Double and awesome. uh, uh, yeah. his his one son's a fireman in Jersey City, nice. and uh, you know that that's our seniority, but they're very important people, yeah, both from experience solving problems and taking care of problems, and people that you look for when there's a fire that you know you can trust. Your junior people. Um, and and there's plenty of good junior people there, um, you know they have to step up and prove themselves sure. off the fire ground first, you know around a firehouse doing the menial yeah. tasks, keeping their mouth shut, and and sitting and learning and taking it in from mm -hmm. the from the other members. Yeah, and uh, you know you have to build trust with your officers. You have to build trust with your company officers. They have, so they trust you. you know, yeah. You've got to trust them to do a good job to make a decision. And it's sometimes, you know, I may not agree 100%. And unless I see a safety issue, I let it go. Because I have to entrust that they're going to do, you have to give them the trust and show them that you trust them to get the job done. Right. And, and they will. Yeah. They, they will. Yeah. And you have to build trust. You know, yeah. when so you can't micromanage them and say, oh, I want you to do it this way and do it that way. You gotta, you gotta just 
like I said, certain things you have to address, certain things um, mm-hmm. you, you, you let go and let them do what they have to do. Yeah. I I just when I got when I got promoted, I was really worried about um, just stepping into the position. Like I'd want, you know, I'd wanted to to move up the ladder, and then I took the test and everything else. And now it happened. It was just like I was like, oh, oh this is this is going to be real pretty soon. And um, I remember I asked on a guy that I knew from PG County, and he's a DC firefighter. And I said, man, I said, Jimmy, I'm nervous about this. I got to be honest with you. And he said, just always take care of the guys. He said, like you know, and he worked, you know, through one of uh, the District of Columbia's most elaborate uh, and, you know, well, gone off fire chiefs. Um, so it was a little contentious for him. He says, as long as you're, you're you know, taking care of the guys, you're going to be all right. Like, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff to do and I can get into it, but just make sure you're you're taking care of those guys in the line and that nobody's coming in to snipe them away from you. Well, that and the fact that, yes, you have to take care of the guys. You have to watch mm-hmm. over it, but you have to balance out on, a, on, a, on the operational level. You have to yeah. balance out safety on one end and mm-hmm. aggressiveness on the other. Yeah. Because if you steer too far in one direction, it, right. it's not good. If you steer too far on the safe end, they're not going to be effective at getting their job done, putting a fire out. And, yeah. and saving civilian lives, right. which is what we're here for, and helping right. people. Mm-hmm. But on a, and on the same note, um, you have to be somewhat ag- aggressive to do that. So you have to balance out that safety and aggressiveness. Um, and there's, there's times, you know, you're going to make a decision. The hard decisions are when you got to pull them out of a building. Sure. Sometimes it's clear cut. Sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're using your gut instinct. And sometimes you make that decision. You know what? Well, maybe we could have stayed in there and got it. But right. you know what? You make a decision, you stick with it. All I ask of the guys, and they know this, that you know, they do their work around a firehouse. They don't do anything unethical in right. that respect. And when the bell rings, they give 100%. That's what I expect of them. And uh, I know when, you know, when I can attest that when the Hackensack Fire Department on any tour turns out for a a fire, okay, everybody's everybody's ready to go and moving. Yeah. That's not... And you you guys have a highly regarded department, and I think it it stems from the leadership on down. And I know just being, you know, uh, Hackensack is the county seat for Bergen County, where I am. Okay. And, uh, and so, you know, they have the county, uh, all the administration buildings, the courthouse and all mm-hmm. that. So they have a, quite a unique um, district and limited staffing. I mean, you guys yeah. are... Well, in the city, there's uh, during the, the workday hours, the population's about, probably about 120,000. Right. And it drops. To, and, and now um, it's it's been... The, the nighttime population is... is I think officially just under fifty at the last yeah. at the last uh, census, but uh, on the city's end, other than the fire service, um, there's a tremendous amount of redevelopment in the city, and that and that's all in Bergen County yep. for the most Absolutely. part because of our proximity to New York City and the right. property values and the fact that the commuter train goes through Hackensack, right. and yep. you know, that's a big big selling point, and yeah. you know. Uh, you know, from the city's end, that's changed our fire perspective because uh, many, many old buildings have come down because right. of that. But on the same note, it's those are the buildings that are paying taxes that afford them to fund the fire department. Right. And with with any paid fire department, uh, the Hackensack's budget is about is over thirteen million dollars for right. the fire department, and the bulk of that goes to salaries. Yep. So yeah. that's how they can afford to do that, where other poorer cities yeah. can't. That's, that's the that's the bottom line. Yeah. So that's, but it, it changes. the The workload has changed because the area is not as poor and destitute, right? That, you know, as it you know, right. or the city wasn't, you know, is in much better shape, yeah. physically and financially, uh, 
you know, from what I understand right. on the right. financial end. Um, but especially physically, the physical makeup of the city is in much better shape than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, and, and, yeah and, and like what I, what I was alluding to is, you know, you guys have a good reputation and you're an aggressive mm -hmm. fire department. You have, uh, you have one of the UASI rescues, mm -hmm. so they're part of the urban search initiative mm -hmm. uh, and so on. So I know that, and they, they have a countywide air truck if need be and so on. So Hackensack's done a, a really nice job on the county level. Um, that I've recognized that they will send their expertise and their highly trained techs and rescue company and, and the mass service and so on. So, and we all appreciate that. And, and, it yeah, and, and that's a big part of that. That started in, in, uh, in about the year 2004, 2005, right. after 9-11, right. the UAC Urban Area Security Initiative right. is what it stands for. And that, that's a very good program. There's a tremendous amount of training yes. with that that was never my forte um i don't have the uac training my brother does mm -hmm. uh, but um um and i want to say at least over 50 guys in the job yeah, have that and uh, that's, that's you know right um and and you also have the ability to work with the uac rescues from the other departments right. such as patterson north mm -hmm. hudson jersey city and we we happened to put that to test in 2010 when we had the parking garage collapse yes. that was a full task force one response yeah with the, the the JV team, as they call it, <laughs> operating first, meaning yeah. all the UAC rescues, right. which was a, a very, um, you know, a very involved operation. And how nobody was buried in that is beyond me. I actually wrote an article in Fire Engineer, and it was in the, uh, um, I believe, November 2010 issue of uh, Fire Engineering on the parking garage. Okay. What happened with the parking I, 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 I wasn't working. Right. My brother was the, the tour commander that day. And he was working, he was actually working an overtime shift. And they got a call there for a parking garage collapse, or some type of collapse. And, uh, you know, and he pulls in and uh, um, he had, a, I a truck was pulling in right behind him. And uh, that was a very, uh, that was a very large scale incident yeah. other than a fire. And uh, th what happened was three levels of a parking garage pancake collapsed because of a design flaw with this building. It was a fairly, you know, no uh, wow. newer uh, high-rise building. And as you pulled in front of the, the main entrance, there were parking levels below. But they didn't have drainage in the in the flower beds or in that area. So it was a... Go yes. ahead, Chief. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. And, yeah. and, 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 then, and what happened was the, the water built up, you know, deteriorated the concrete. And I guess it reached its weight limit and deterioration yep. and it pancake collapsed. Yeah. And how there was nobody in there with the population of that building, it's a 18 story building, um, big, uh, um, was, you know, was, was probably something short of a miracle. Yes, yeah. uh, there's no way anybody could have went there and predicted that there was nobody, you'd have, you had to assume that there were sure. people in this, yeah. that somebody got mushed in there. And I was gonna say, I mean, that's just one of many profile but it's, without it's, that UAC program right. without our members training and also having members of the department that were on task force one New Jersey task force one and having that lines of communication open uh, enabled us to uh, enabled us to much more effectively handle sure. that operation they had every UAC rescue there committed I have some pictures of it and sure. uh, yeah. um, and uh, they ended up being a full department recall uh, yeah. a, a true, you know, general alarm recall, which is rare even for a department our size. And, uh, you know, it, it eventually, it took a long, long time, but eventually um, um, it was determined that nobody was trapped. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Standing around after that going. 
nobody. That's incredible, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a large. But, but the UAC program was a big benefit. Yeah. Having our members trained and having the equipment was uh, was a big plus, and that, and that's something we offer to all of Bergen County. Right. The the issue is, um, it's the non light. They they the UAC program wants to operate if there's a life hazard right. or confirm a suspected or confirmed life life hazard. There's issues pro and con about shoring up buildings at times, and uh, um, you know where some departments are in favor, some are not, uh, and uh, that's where it gets a little tacky, but the, the members do have training, but the, the yeah. members of Task Force One have the superior training right. in the building, shoring, and construction. Yeah, so in New Jersey, Task Force One, which is the uh, you know the USAR team for New Jersey, mm-hmm. that's state police driven. Yes. So it's actually run by the state, state police. police. It's their equipment. But there are firefighters, paramedics, yeah, yes, blah, blah, correct, blah, blah. correct. So there's right. a and lot there's of engine, there's engineers that right. are specifically engineers, correct. not firemen, right. structural oh, engineers yeah. that are oh, on yeah. that task force. They have force. an incredible team, and like any USAR team. And then what they did was after 9/11, like the chief was saying, they highlighted uh, a lot of the smaller cities dotted across, um, especially in, in in northern New Jersey, uh, because of the population here, and they they uh, allocated equipment and funding. For smaller, what they called UASI rescue trucks, which were all standardized, by right. the way. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. I think there were five of them, if I remember correctly. I, I believe the, I believe now there's nine. There might be more. Yeah. Well, yeah. then no, they, they, there was there was nine. I'm just naming off the top of my head. I don't want to uh, uh, leave anybody out. You have um, Hackensack for Bergen, Patterson for Passaic, Morristown, Morristown for Morris County, Correct. and you also have North Hudson, Jersey City, Newark, Bayonne, Newark. There's one, I believe, in Middlesex. It's Middlesex County, and uh, the Port Authority operates right. one also. Yeah. And I may have left one out. Yeah. I think, a li- oh, Elizabeth. it's Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah for Union that, County. When the train crash happened in Hoboken, yes. they, because I remember Correct. I was reading in one of the buff groups, they're like, that this was thing's a full- been activated. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And they're like, there's rescue trucks everywhere. Yeah, my brother went to that one, too. That was a, um, and our Hackensack guys were proud to say they were the second uh, UAC rescue in yeah. there. And, yeah. uh, Luckily, there was no one pinned, but the, you got to get them going. Yeah, you got to get it moving. And uh, but you know, you know, for Bergen County, you know wh- where we are, you know that that capability is there. Oh, and, and, and for myself, you know, a volunteer department, uh, twenty minutes from Hackensack, the uh, ability to be able to make one phone call and have a piece of equipment with say four or five guys with the training. Well, it, it, there's a standard response. We have to send six. Okay. And, uh, so, I mean, we have to send yeah. six. Yeah. And, and we also... Send me 100. And we it's all, just fantastic to... And that's right off... That. That's from us. And then right off the bat, they, they would send a minimum of two units. It would be for... for right. This year, it would, be, it would be Patterson and Hackensack. Right. And they, these guys train together oh, every yep. year. There's, there's mm-hmm. annual drills, which yeah. are very well put together. And... Uh, yeah, it's um, a good program. And, and this is all aspects of test tech rescue. And uh, what, what's nice, it's not, it's not just relegated to the department. It's interoperability. Mm-hmm. And that training is coming from it. So it's standardized training. And uh, that's for all aspects of tech rescue. That's building collapse, high angle, confined space, and trench. And they've yeah. gone out to our guys um, a couple of years ago, the guys I work with, I think it was two years ago, they went out to uh, a major trench collapse in Morris County yes. where they had two workers buried and mm-hmm. our guys were involved with, with pulling mm-hmm. the one guy out, but the capability is there. And Absolutely. we have now we have the, the shoring unit. Us and Elizabeth have, us, Elizabeth and North Hudson have the shoring units right. uh, 
um, which yeah, are I'd all stocked with lumber. And that, and that's funded, and hopefully that funding continues yeah. uh, you know, for the future because you have the funding for the training, the vehicles. But it, it's a good program, and it, it, mm -hmm. it's good, you know. But on the same note, and I don't mean to talk down to any other departments, the level of training, no other department is going to have the resources and the interoperability um, or the level of training that these UAC oh, members have. Without a doubt. You know, years ago, it used yeah. to be localized departments. One would specialize in trench. One would yeah. specialize in confined space. And over time, like anything, I mean, we're trying to get firemen out to fight fires. Yeah, so, exactly. So when we start to specialize and look at these, these tech operations, you know, let's put it back on the resources that can provide those resources and train correctly and have the right equipment. So, agree, Chief. I, I agree. And, and even though I'm not directly... Um, directly uh, involved in mm -hmm. that program because I'm not a, a UAC certified right. trained mm -hmm. member. Uh, you know, I speak very highly of it. And, yeah, and, and I, knowing I, we I, have that capability right. and seeing what the guys can do sure. um, it, it is big. Yeah, good. It is big. Good. And I, just real quick, because I know we've been, yeah. you know, we've been going on, but, sure. um, you know, real quick, I know you mentioned the parking garage collapse and, it, but, and I, I had mentioned it before that there are a lot of high profile type incidents that, Surround Hackensack, you know, and and so on. And I know Rob alluded to it before. Just talking about the Hackensack Ford fire. Sure. Um, we had a guest in here. One of our first interviews was Jim Doggerty. Yes, sure. Uh, who I believe was an instructor with you at Absolutely. the academy. You guys know each other. Absolutely. And so on. But uh, Jim was here and he spoke about that fire a little bit. He had a personal experience there um, at that fire, and it was more of just buffing it as a volunteer at the time. But you know, uh, was was a part of it, and that affected his career. And um, I think you were probably a volunteer at the time, right? Correct. So I, I, I mean, I was. Think... Just, I, we were processed to go on a job so at Hackensack. Right afterwards. It, well, right? actually, we were processed in February oh, okay. of '88. My group, they, they, they processed eight guys to go on in February. They only put two on, yeah. and the other six, for whatever financial reasons, at the time, mm -hmm. they had they had only hired the two of of six, gotcha. and I was one of the six at the time. And then right after the fire. Yeah. Uh, they they called us to, to go on, but right. I was I was there with the as uh, what a, a volunteer. I mean, what a, I mean, I, and and also knowing a lot of members of the department, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, you're just trying to, you know, uh, I th that fire is so well known in the in the fire industry. And if you're not people listening or watching, if, if you're not familiar with it, please uh, look it up. It was Hackensack Ford, uh, July first, nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight, and it was a changing fire for the fire service yes, in general. Without a doubt, you know, wherever it may have happened, and that's the place it happened. So yeah, if you have anything you want to ask me about it or comment no, on I, it? I, yeah, I, I mean, I it's just for me. I just you know, I, I I'm so thankful that I've never had to be a part of anything like that. You know, on a, on a large scale. So I know that that can really change a department, can change yes. the direction and how departments uh, go. Uh, and what I what made me smile a little bit was, and I made a comment to it earlier. You said you were one of the fires that you went to. You just left the building construction class, yes, which was right after, and that was propagated by. So I have the to think fire. that training became absolute to the forefront training for and knowledge. But yeah. you got to think, you know, thinking back to those days in 1988, the fire service was undergoing a lot of changes. Yeah, absolutely, and it was a changing time in the fire service. Mm -hmm. yeah, the workload was still there. But you had OSHA coming on the scene. The incident command system, uh, we were the first department in Bergen County to get trained and implement the incident command system, which was a recommendation of the fire. Yeah. Um, because the command structure fell apart there. You know, at the, and whether it was Hackensack or any other place, then oh, the command was, structure was, was the same. It was yeah. a chief running was around a with day. a radio. That was your command structure. It was a different day. And, you know, 
And it's, it's hard to believe that you can watch departments now and there's still a chief running around with a radio. And it's like, hey, 88, this happened. Yes, and, and, and the department was under a lot of scrutiny. Yeah. The changes, um, I could talk about some of the changes. Um, and But, you know, one of the things I remind people, new guys or people is um, in 1988, there was no such thing as a fast company. Right. Okay, there was no such thing as the incident command system yeah. in, in New Jersey. Um, the, the gear was different. It was three-quarter boots, coats, and a helmet. And, Building and construction, gloves. portable radios, Safety. equipment. Well, everything. portable radios, they, they actually, that was an issue. Mm -hmm. Most departments only had um, for the officers then, including Hackensack, but they did have it coming where they, they had requested, you know, the application was in for a fire ground channel. And uh, the the radios, the portable radios, um, they were able to staff. Um, they came out in the fall of '88. Uh, they issued portable radios. There was three issued to the ladder company, two to the rescue, uh, and two for each engine: the, yeah. the chauffeur and the officer. And the reason was that the off the chauffeur had a habit, so if the, yeah, the officer would mm -hmm. call for water, and that was why the chauffeurs had a habit. You operated on a on a, and we still do it to this day. The fire ground channel is operated on any first alarm assignment, right. and a single company assignment would be you stay on the main channel. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, that was yeah. implemented right after. That was one of the first changes in 1988. More was, more radios. Was uh, was there like would you say that the the, hack, the the Ford dealership fire was the one, or was there like a fire in your career that I don't want to say it changed you in a good way or a bad way? It was just like one of those. Um, points in your career where you're like, hey, this was serious, and like, you know, like just that, that, because like, I think everybody's got that well, memorable yes. fire. Yes, well, that opened up eyes to everybody in the whole area. Yeah. To the fact that, you know, you can get killed doing this job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's, the, it's a dangerous job. Yeah. And that reminded, and that brought everything to the forefront uh, at that time, that yeah. this is a yeah. very dangerous job. And, you know, this can happen. Oh, and you could say what, you know, what could have, should have, and what they could have done. And, you know, the bottom line there was they didn't have enough training, or there wasn't enough knowledge as to the dangers of that type of roof. And they had had other trust collapses in Hackensack in the 70s. Yeah. And they're actually well, and up. What, Ridgefield Park? Was well, it was, it was, alley, it was right? Cliffside was Park, and it was Ridgefield guys. Ridge, okay. And you think That's about right. the, uh, Vincent Dunn, Talks about the trust well, trilogy, yeah. and uh, in his in his uh, writings, right. and it's it's Cliffside Park, sixty seven, Wallbaums in seventy eight, and Hackensack in eighty eight, all ten years apart. But what set that apart with Hackensack was the networking was coming out in eighty eight. Right. The books were being written. The Firehouse Magazine was a very powerful tool in the fire well, service the at that I time. I remember the cover of that. But, but regardless, uh, Harvey Eisner, yep. uh, a great guy, mm -hmm. uh, Tenafly guy, Bergen yeah, County yeah, guy, absolutely. with a lot of influence out of New York, with a lot of connections in New York City, you know, what drove that magazine for years and made it what it was. And then the Firehouse Expos was started in, the first one was in 84 down in Baltimore. Yeah. So, you know, this is how the information yeah. was getting out then. Yeah. And uh, the seminars, I remember uh, the, the seminars were just coming on the scene. We had one in Hackensack right after the fire. Uh, Vinnie Dunn was there. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, they were used as fundraisers. And let me tell you something. Those, I remember going to seminars, late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, local. Um, these places were packed because that was how you got your information. People and they were, were coming on the scene. They were hungry for knowledge. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the bottom line, just and my opinion, 
you know, they didn't have enough knowledge as to how dangerous that roof was from the chief officers, you know, to the company officers. And was there a fault of anybody? No, because why? The job was experience-based at the time. And, and things were starting to change. Yeah. And it, the changes went, you know, they took a while to uh, progress mm -hmm. in, in the job. And there were a lot of good people there that, um, that tried to implement things to make the job better. And eventually, it took a long time. It takes time. It and, you know, a lot of people had expectations, you know, then not me as a junior guy, you kept your mouth shut. But, you know, other mid-level guys, their senior guys, they had expectations that things were going to change in a year or two. And, you know, you know we were going to have 200 guys and, uh, yeah. you know, and everything was, was, was going to be fine. And, uh, you know, they're going to, you know, but you know, a lot of it comes down to funding. And, but, and, you know, one I think, and it just kind of hit me, is that we, you can kind of tell that we evolved, like, in our evolution of the fire service, because we look at what happened in, in Charleston with the Super Sofa Fire, mm -hmm. right. and how that department went from, like, kind of like how you're almost describing the experience-based training and, like, the knowledge, and they, and they completely transformed at such a, like, we've evolved that they were able to transform at a, a much faster pace. I mean, bringing in a fire chief from out of the, you know, out of the area who was safety-orientated. That, that's very hard to do in New Jersey. Based on right, no, yeah, they, that's very hard to do because you, 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 the, the way that pensions are structured in New well, Jersey. I, I don't want to say like it's a thing. I'm just using it as a, as an example, yes. something mm -hmm. that's you know like because now it's almost like that spotlight was so focused on that one incident, and then like we started hearing the and probably a little bit of social media too helped spread it. But then it was like they got right in front of like, hey, we're changing. Like, yeah, we're well, not they, gonna have this yeah. happen again, yeah. you know. And mm -hmm. and I think that's well. I can tell you one of the, one of the biggest also changes that we that are, is a landmark of the Ford fire is and uh, you know this every firefighter in New Jersey needs to know is the is the trust placarding. Right. And I can remember mm -hmm. you know being you know when I was new on a job we were out looking we had a the department had a look at every commercial building, and they did this ahead of the placarding for their own information, and. Uh, we had to go out, the companies had to go out and identify every roof structure in the city. And um, that's what we did. It was Education. good to learn the buildings yeah, and, yeah. and they were taking us information and we had a couple guys with early day computers, um, some light duty guys um, that needed to finish out their careers that, uh, um, that were driven to make the job better, even though they couldn't physically do it anymore. And that was their part in doing that. And, you know, a computer in 1989 <laughs> was, you could imagine what yeah, it was like. Yeah. It's handy 2000. And yeah. We, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. we had a way to do it. Yeah. And uh, an early day computer system uh, um, to catalog building information. Right. And mm -hmm. it, at that time, yeah. that was, I, I wouldn't say it was state of the art, but uh, that, was, that was very progressive. And yeah. even to this day, we our officers are supposed to identify a truss roof via the radio, and that's that's a legacy, and that's something, you know, you right. have to take in consideration because you don't want that ever to happen again. No, no. no. you don't want that, and you know, it, there's all kinds of trusses now. In 1988, lightweight construction was was not even was just coming into the picture. Right, um, little bit. Yeah, look where we are today. Look where we are today. But um, yeah. solar that, panels. Yeah, solar, solar panels. How about matchsticks yeah. and toothpicks? Yeah. I mean, you and know. Then that's that's a whole other challenge for right. the whole fire service, right. including us in Hackensack. Yeah, everywhere. Mm -hmm. everywhere. I, have, I have 300 new buildings going up in my town. They developed a golf course. 
Oh, that's everything. Sprinkled. Yeah, okay. everything being built is that was like, High Mountain. That was High Mountain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love flying there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but um, yeah, I mean, Chief, thank you. You know, we could go on and on, and I'd love to get you back another episode. Maybe we could talk some more about maybe the training with uh, sure building instruction, hack and sack. Maybe we talk about that a little more. That would be a, a great, great topic to uh, share. But. Um, Thank you. Thanks for joining yeah. us tonight. I mean, I really can't thank you enough for taking time out. My pleasure. Today. I had a great time and a awesome. great talk. Good. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Guys, thanks for watching. Uh, Deputy Chief Steve Kalman from the Hackensack, New Jersey Fire Department, uh, stand-up brother, and uh, thank you for all your time. For myself, Jeremy, and Rob, take care. Be safe. We'll see you soon.